I was I was planning on doing a couple Zach snooze throughout <laughs> the uh, the interview for sure. It's a beautiful snow day. It's a snowy snowy day, and we got an interview with Zach Snow. So that's what you want to do on a snow day, guys. everybody welcome to musical connections a podcast about music from newfoundland and labrador join me now as we explore the wonderful newfoundland and labrador music scene and help me as we develop it one song at a time i'm your host zach snow and what you just heard there was a snippet of an interview that we will be having with the one and the only ben chapman smith so listeners rejoice this interview was a lot of fun we talk about his upbringing as a musician up in toronto he was the fourth guest from Ontario that I've had on this podcast. So the others on that list include Kelly McMichael, John Moran, and Valmy. So he talks about the heavy scene up in Toronto, what convinced him to move to Newfoundland and Labrador, and some of the bands that he has been a part of here, such as Slowpoke, and his most recent project, The Order of the Precious Blood. We'll have all that and so much more on Next to Connect right after we get through this week's newfound releases. And of course, this week's podcast drops on my birthday. So um, another year older today, 28, 27, I'd say was pretty good to me. Media Person of the Year for Music NL and an ECMA nomination. Eh, let's hope 28 uh, is better than 27. But um, we got some great newfound releases to give you this week. These songs came out between February 4th to 10th. And we start with Alan Doyle, who dropped his sixth studio album, Welcome Home, this past Friday. It was his 20th effort combining Great Big C with his solo career. And as I said before, it's his sixth studio effort. Right now, here is Dancing Like We Did Last Night from Alan Doyle on Newfound Releases. Let the sun rise, let the morning light shine. This won't die when the day comes to life. We can ride on The tide is higher than high Don't need to miss me or kiss me goodbye You took my hand and I felt my feet leave the ground Maybe we never need to come down Let's be easy and free Let it be for you and me And let the band play on forever Through the darkness and daylight And we'll all go Time, and soon the dance floor was only yours and mine And then the barkeep closed and swept to our feet And we waltzed under fluorescent light We were easy and free, let it be for you and me And let the band play on forever Through the darkness and daylight And we'll all roll on together in this life Dancing like we Last 
the sunrise Let the morning bells chime Let them ring out the time of our lives And let the band play on forever Through the darkness and daylight And we'll all go along Together in this life Dancing like we did And let the band play on forever Through the darkness and Is one of Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest ambassadors for music, Alan Doyle, dancing like we did last night. Andy Skiffington is next, and I just got a question. Where are you going? We still got more Newfound releases to get through. Here's Where Are You Going from Andy Skiffington on Newfound Releases. I saw you pass the house a time or two. The boys in the back, the sons of yours, sit right here and we my turn. Watch the clock my eyes burn. Where were you going? Friends have gone those weekend trips, fishing baseball and daddies, buy some tips. Sure, I'll hear about when they got away, when they flew out of the park, when they chose to stay. Where were you going? Some kind of day He would take me anywhere around the way He's got things to do Not much to say Just sit here and count the days 
Skiffington with Where Are You Going on Newfound Releases, and we go now to Jeremy Rice. He must have wrote the song thinking about all the World War III paranoia that you see on social media these days. So he decided to write a song about it, and here's that for you right now. This is Jeremy Rice with World War III. Watching a program on World War II When the general broadcast alert came through The nukes were coming and we could not flee So we sat in the kitchen and drank some tea I said, so what are you gonna do? She said, baby, I don't know, now how about you? I said, I'm off to the Friday night embassy You know, everybody's grooving to World War III I said, everybody's grooving, everybody's grooving to World War III Catch some fireworks up in the sky You can follow as it happens live So don't forget to subscribe Alright, here we go! Party like it's World War Three, World War Three, World War Three. So let's get grooving, yeah. Everybody's grooving in World War Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
some fireworks up in the sky You can follow as it happens live So don't forget to subscribe Oh yeah That was Jeremy Rice with World War Three. We now go to another anticipated single release this week. It comes from Rodney Slade. Written by Peter Daniel Newman, who's had a very big year, being featured on the Rolling Stones' Top 25 Albums of 2023 with Megan Maroney's debut album. And um, Peter Daniel Newman and Rodney Slade wrote this together along with Robbie J and Hannah Dorothy. Here are the lazy and good-for-nothings from Rodney Slade, right here on Newfound Releases. We waste all of our time getting wasted Yeah, we live every day like it's the weekend Want a job when a nine-to-five's overrated Rather wake up in a truck bed at 2 p.m. They say we should grow up, can't get by on dumb luck Are we gonna do this the rest of our lives? 20-something cliche, we don't care what you say You ain't gonna change our minds We're just living our glory days Light it up, blazing little Marley for you on newfound releases with the lazy and good for nothings and these guys are young they're hungry and you'll be hearing from these guys 
for a long time to come. The Salt Beef Junkies are next. I got to see their album release at O'Reilly's Irish Pub this past Saturday. What a great time it is. And the fact that these guys are like 12, 14, and 17 respectively. The fact that they're this good, this young. I don't even know what I was doing at like 12, 14, or 17. It's just crazy to see like how bright the future of Newfoundland and Labrador music really is. Right now, here's a reel written by Luke Mercer himself. The Salt Beef Junkies for you with Cellar on the Hill, right here on Newfound Releases. the Salt Beef Junkies with Cellar on the Hill. We wrap up newfound releases this week with Underwire. Now, some of the members of the band come from Cape Breton, come from Nova Scotia, but there is a Newfoundland and Labrador connection to this band, and it comes from its lead singer and one of its principal songwriters, Sarah Blackmore. And the drummer, I believe, is from Newfoundland and Labrador as well. They have a great new tune right now. Here's Toss and Turn from Underwire on newfound releases.
And that does it for newfound releases for this week. Next week's newfound releases for the next podcast dropping February 20th. I'll be looking for songs that are coming out between February 17th to the 17th. If you have any questions about newfound releases, head over to my link tree by searching up Zack Snow NL. And the first thing that you'll see there is the newfound releases guide. In that guide, we'll have everything that you need to know about newfound releases. What it is, who qualifies, how you qualify, and what you need in your submission package. Of course, if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns about it, feel free to email musicalconnectionsnl at gmail.com. And listeners, rejoice! It is now time to transition over to the second half of Musical Connections. That, of course, is next to Connect. We are connecting with musician, music educator, and the Youth Ventures Coordinator from Music NL, Ben Chapman-Smith. We're going to be talking to him about his journey, coming up as a musician up in Toronto, Ontario. He talks about their heavy scene up there. Plus, he talks about what motivated him to move to Newfoundland and Labrador. Plus, we also talk about some of the groups that he's been a part of, such as Slowpoke and his current group, The Order of the Precious Blood. We also talk about how he got the Music Celebration Week coordinator gig and his new opportunity with the Youth Ventures program. It is set to be a great interview. This was a boatload of fun. So sit back, relax, and rejoice in the wonderful amazingness that is Ben Chapman-Smith, musician, music educator, as well as backup vocalist and bassist of Order of the Precious Blood right here on Next to Connect. Welcome back to the Musical Connections podcast. This is Next to Connect. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and we are going to introduce you to one of the faces of the hardcore and heavy metal scene here in Newfoundland and Labrador through acts like Slowpoke and Order of the Precious Blood. He is building this metal scene one song at a time. And um, this group was nominated for uh, the 2023 Loud Artist of the Year, which ended up going to legendary group Da Slime. But uh, he's an amazing guy, amazing musician, and just overall great dude. Joining me right now to talk all about Precious Blood and a whole lot more, my man, Benedict, or um, as in his case, we call him Ben Chapman Smith. Ben, how you doing, brother? Great, Zach. Thank you. Very welcome. Lovely introduction, my friend. (laughs) <laughs> and also i do know How everything you you, you see i mean our own little nardwar aren't you <laughs> and for the record um i'm re- kind of referencing the game of thrones here you don't know nothing john snow john snow john snow I'm, i was i was planning on doing a couple zach snooze throughout <laughs> the uh the interview for sure it's a beautiful snow day it's a snowy snowy day and we got an interview with zach snow so that's what you want to do on a snow day, guys. Absolutely. We're recording this on a snow day, and then this will air uh, next <laughs> month. So um, who knows? Maybe a snow day then, too. Hey, you never know. Exactly. So um, for uh, those who don't know much about you, of course, I know quite a bit about you. You've, uh, you have played in the group Order of the Precious Blood with uh, Paul Brake, uh, Cameron Legg, and a bunch of other uh, great people in there. And I see one of your shows. They're a riot. And uh, you played in the um, Music NL award-winning group Slowpoke. But um, tell me a little bit more about yourself for those uh, who, do, who, may not, who may not know uh, much about Ben Chapman-Smith. Yeah, I'd love to. So, um, Ben Chapman-Smith. I am a music educator. Uh, I do some audio engineering stuff uh, and musician. I actually primarily think of myself as a guitar player. Uh, I, you know, also worked extensive. I've got, I've got a pretty varied background in, uh, 
the music industry. I've worked as a promoter. I've worked as a, you know, in bands, not only the heavy scene, though, I also uh, have played in pop and ska and all kinds of, you know, even folk singer-songwriter stuff. So I really do try to, um, uh, the, you know, creative expression is always going to be over genre to me. Um, that's a really big part of kind of my general ethos and how I approach music. I'm a huge advocate of just, um, you know, facilitating people's expression of themselves, right? Just uh, creating more opportunities for artists and people to express themselves through music is is kind of my MO. So I love, I mean, my teaching is all about me sharing my love and joy of music with people and helping to, you know, try to instill that whenever possible because um, it's been great for me and I love to give that to other people. And the same thing is true with, with live music. You know, it's all about... Um, trying to create great experiences and, and cool memories because some of the coolest times in my life have been going to shows and seeing absurd things and being like, that was, what? I want to do that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, I'd say that's, uh, that's most of it. Uh, mostly a player teacher, uh, a bit of event stuff and, um, yeah, and um, you're originally not from Newfoundland. You uh, you were born in Toronto, Ontario, the big city, and uh, you moved here a couple Toronto, of years ago, Ontario. and you've been here ever since. So um, I want to really go back, though, to uh, how you first got into music in the first place. So tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, there's always the standard stuff of, um, you know, my parents had pictures of me when I was, like, a child, like, you know, two or three playing with guitars and stuff like that. So there's always been that kind of surface-level interest in guitars, maybe just because it was around. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, like, a lot of people, music functions, especially early on in your life, as a major kind of way to define yourself, especially in your early teenage years. And I just took to that, like, you know, like you couldn't believe. So <clears throat> I always really liked music, but certainly um, around grade seven or eight, I started really thinking there's something to this. And I was, I was a bit of a late bloomer as a musician. I only picked up the guitar at about in, in grade nine, so I was about 13. And it was just like immediately like, oh my God, where has this been? And, you know, lots of just really excessive. I still remember one of my first guitar lessons. I came back trying to learn how to play Lithium by Nirvana. Oh, nice. And, like I literally played until I had blisters on my fingers and I came into my lesson with blisters on my fingers and played the riffs. And my guitar teacher was like, holy shit, dude, like, calm down. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so, and, you know, that's just as, you know, just because it plays, it's, it's, it's a, I want to say just because I picked up guitar too, I think there's going to be a lot of people just assuming it's like, oh, so you must only like heavy metal and rock. And it's like, I love jazz. Um, my early childhood, I really liked and I still really like thinking music more as an emotional expressor and finding different varieties of that. So, like, I'm, you know, again, I, I totally understand that people are going to associate me with being uh, a, you know, metal or punk musician and all that kind of a thing. But to me, that's just a really cool part of the expression. That's wonderful. Now, um, I want to go back to the blisters for a second. When you had those blisters, did you pull a Ringo Starr and said, I got blisters on my fingers! Is that a Ringo star? Yeah, um, Ringo said that in Helter Skelter. I, I probably made a big deal about it, yeah. I, I, I'm more than like, not intentionally, but I'm sure that I was like, you know, you wear those things as a badge of honor when it's just, um, 
you know you're putting everything into it. And, and again, it's not even like you're trying to prove it to people. It's just um, when you really love doing something, you just keep doing it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, to- as a kind of passive note, I have eczema uh, on my on my fingers sometimes, and like I'll have to be playing my instrument, and it's like wow. I've got a cracked open thumb, and it's like, what do you do? You continue playing. Boys are back in town. You continue <laughs> playing that riff. You just keep doing it. Nice, <clears> nice. It. So, um, I just want to talk about like what drew you to the genre in the first place. Of course, you mentioned Nirvana, and you played their song uh, Lithium. I think it's either on In Utero or Nevermind. I think it's on Nevermind. I, I honestly don't know. I'm so bad with, like, album tracks and stuff like that. My, again, my entire thing with, with music is that I like putting it on and letting it take me somewhere. So there's there's certainly some bands and sometimes where I've gotten really nitpicky about knowing details and every song name on that album kind of a thing. I've had albums like that for the most part. It's yeah. kind of like, I really like that artist. I like the places they take me. Um, so uh, what drew you to the heavy metal scene in the first place? Yeah, um... That's a great question. Yeah, I think certainly my earlier music tastes were definitely towards the more mainstream, I wouldn't even say mainstream, but like rock and pop, the stuff that you would grow up to being a 90s kid, right? The standard stuff. Oh, yeah. So that was always a big influence on it. Um, there's also the fact that it was just, it's it's a very accessible kind of music. Like you listen to, you know, um, some classical pieces, right? And like... It's great, but it's somewhat inaccessible unless you're really, really intellectualizing the thing. And for live music, that makes it a bit of a barrier to entry for a lot of people. Because, you know, if you have ever been to the opera or something like that, it's hard to become, like, immersed in the the scene, which I'm uh-huh. sure no one would use that terminology. But it's a bit harder to become an avid fan of that. But when you're sneaking into shows underage in Toronto... And you get to experience like the high energy, just craziness, and uh, and I want to say danger, but that's not what. Yeah, we'll say danger, whatever. Yeah, why not? The the intensity of a punk rock show, um, it's it's very, very enticing. It's a really cool experience. It's a really cool feeling, and being a part of it is awesome. Um, so, and again, like I, the fact that I play in a hardcore band is the main, and you know, played in like a. Uh, doom metal, punk, psychedelic band, whatever. Um, I, I, you know, I go see a lot of different shows, and I participate in a lot of other parts of the scenes. But I've always just been drawn to that the elements that are in those scenes, the high energy. Uh, I'm a big fan of kind of modern, cool, distorted guitar sounds and stuff like that. So uh, there's there's something about being in a physical space with the kind of gear you find in that environment, which is you know amplifiers that are turned up to 9 or 10 or 11 even, and you just get to bathe in this over-harmonic sounds bouncing off everywhere. It's really cool, right? And it's not the same necessarily... I mean, you'd find that in most rock stuff, but compared to, you know, maybe the traditional uh, Newfoundland music scene, you'd certainly, you know, get some elements of that, but it's not going to be the same intention... Uh, or experience, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, again, like I, I, I do sound somewhat frequently for um, a lot of trad musicians, and I love that scene, and I love that circle, and that stuff is great, and um, but it's not quite as exciting to me, I will say. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, you were like one of the big faces of the metal scene up in uh, Toronto. Um, I believe the band you were in the first off was Vices and Virtues. I think I may be getting that wrong, if you want to correct me there. But um, you were yeah. in some other bands too. So tell me a little bit about the bands you were part of uh, when you were in the metal scene uh, in Toronto. So Toronto was a very, and, and even more so, um, I mean, I, I I would say that I was part of a metal scene in that I worked uh, as a, I, I guess it's kind of like a concert promoter capacity, event organizer thing where I organized something called Hardcore Wednesdays at a venue called The Cage. Oh, wow. Uh, for about two years, uh, we did a weekly events that started off on Wednesdays and, and got successful and we started doing Saturdays. So I'd say that that's my main um, the way that people, a lot of more people would probably know me in Toronto's heavy scene, um, that and the band Head Loss, uh, which was like a stoner rock project that I played bass in, which was a, a lot of fun. Um, but my thing with Toronto was it, it kind of goes back to the ramblings that I was making earlier about how, um, you know, music to me is almost like um, existential journalism. Like, that's almost how I look at it. It's like, what are the various different cool emotions and feelings? So, like, Vices and Virtues, uh, the way that I always perceived that was kind of like a funk rock group. And that was a lot of fun. That was more, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a studio project, but one of those early groups that you play with. Uh, I think we played, like, a couple of times, but it wasn't, like, a big project that got a lot of attention. A lot of fun um, and a great learning experience. And, again, just... Every band is an opportunity to write songs and and you know say what you're feeling at that time, which is you know mm-hmm. kind of kind of what I gravitate to the stuff for. Um, but beyond vices and virtues, so yeah, there was a bunch. The first band I would say that I was in was a band called Molly Doll, and that would have been when I was around 13 or 14. I joined the group on guitar, and um, it was good, but the singer was a little. Um, he, he was very, he had a lot of vision, and it was sometimes hard to communicate that to the rest of the group. So long term, that didn't end up working out too well. Uh, I moved on to a punk band called Wrath Riot, which I stayed in for quite a while, played the most shows, uh, or quite a few shows with that band. Uh, I joined that group on drums, and then quickly, uh, they heard me play guitar, and they were like, okay, we're going to find a different drummer, you're playing guitar, uh, which was wonderful. Um and then after that, uh, I left with the drummer sorry, man, uh, of that band uh, and started a group called well, three different. It ended up being a couple of different groups. The first was uh, Solar Messiah, but that never became a thing. These are all just high school era bands, right? Yeah. Um, so we did that, and that evolved into something that actually did end up gigging a bit, which was my favorite band name I've ever come up with called Garfield the Movie the Band, <laughs> uh, which which was very much hardcore punk and metal and, and that kind of super riffy stuff. Um, but, I mean, I also did stuff like I did a duo called The Ice Kings uh, in Toronto, which was me and a singer named Kira May, who, if you're not familiar with Kira May, look up the name Kira May, because she is fantastic. She's a vocalist that does a lot of work with loopers and she will sit there and construct her entire song palette using her voice. She's doing everything from creating the kicks and the snare sounds live and then layering really interesting vocal harmonies over top of it in this beautiful breathing, captivating way. Kira May, check it out. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I did stuff like that. I, I, there were, you know, a lot, a lot of high school I was in at least around three or four groups 
and that involved everything from, you know, people jamming Led Zeppelin covers to... And that's the great thing about Toronto is I could just take the TTC anywhere. So I could just, like, hop on a train for 45 minutes, go to the opposite end of the entire city, find a couple of people off Craigslist in that area, and just, like, see if a project works. And um, Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, so I'm kind of rambling again, but most of that is to say... Uh, in in Toronto, a lot of what I did was just kind of jump around and play different uh, places and things um, and organize a bunch of shows. And the bands that I was really in uh, that gigged were... Um, so, I mean, if, if they played one gig, I'll include them in this list. Under the Influence, uh, Molly Dolph, we'll go back to that, uh, Wrath Riot, Garfield the Movie, the band, um, Noise... Um, there is more. We'll say Head Loss, Stray Sheep. Stray Sheep was a fun project because I was working as a promoter at the Cage at that time, and this great punk band kept on coming in, but they couldn't keep a drummer. So I was like, uh, I had just left another project because I didn't have time for it, and I was like, ah, I'll play bass. Or sorry, they couldn't keep a bass player. Uh, so I was like, screw it, I'll play bass for you, and I recorded my first ever DIY album with them, uh, which I still have some copies of, actually. Wow. Uh so that was a lot of fun, and that was a, a great little project. And then I ended up leaving that to pursue a band called Head Loss, which was, I would say, my most successful project. And and um, certainly if people uh, knew me in the scene, it would be from the Cage 292 uh, Hardcore Wednesday shows or probably Head Loss, maybe Stray Sheep. Um, and then and then I also did a, a folk... <laughs> to, to keep going. Um, a uh a folk punk project called uh, Benedict Drinks, which is not as much of a admittance that I drink a lot as much as it was. Uh, sometimes a combination of words just has a certain, there's something about the phrase that evokes a feeling that you're like, that fits with the artistic expression I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to say something, I'm trying to prepare you for something that's a bit boisterous and a little bit like off kilter. And like, I used to call it sleaze jazz, but it was, <laughs> the idea was, you know, playing kind of hip, nice, cool progressions that had stuff going on, but in a very brash way. And, uh, you know, lyrical content that was certainly, you know, centered around. Uh um, It's not all just lovey-dovey stuff. Stuff that's a little bit darker. um, Tends to be a theme with a lot of the music I like. Um, Not always, but often often pops up. Um, So there you go. That's, That's kind of my history in Toronto. And I spent a ton of time throughout that also studying music, uh, taking, you know, multiple lessons a week, primarily on guitar, but also drums and vocals, and I taught down there. I mean, it was 27 years, dude, so there's, there's quite a bit that I did down there. That's crazy. <laughs> so, but uh, this is what I love doing the podcast for, just to go through your journey, you know, going from, like, you know, when you started in music to your high school bands to the bands, uh, you know, such, like, as Headlaw, Stray Sheep, and Benedict Drinks, to when you made the move to come to Newfoundland and Labrador and uh, you've been here for about four or five mm-hmm. years or so. So uh, why make the move to Newfoundland and uh, what was one of the motivating factors that made you decide to come here and stay here? I will quickly mention too, there was also a lot of high school music stuff that I did that I w- will leave out for now just for the sake of brevity, but there oh, was yes. also, uh, <laughs> it keeps going, man. Um, why did I come down here? That's a really good question. Um, it's a very obvious question, I want to say, but I find, like, depending on who I say, who asks that, I give them slightly different answers, and it's uh, it's, a, it's a bigger answer 
than any one of those. Uh, I've always liked traveling. I was very lucky when I was young uh, to, uh, to have parents that decided that traveling was very important. So I got to go on a couple of vacations uh, and visit Europe. So I've always and Europe and um, mostly stuff across Canada, but just getting into the habit of getting out of uh, the normal space was a big thing. So that has kind of, I, I attribute that as having instilled a bit of a lust for adventure in me. Uh, I like changing scenes. I don't like the idea of being in one place forever. I have nothing against it, and I certainly love the idea of home. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, you gotta you gotta adventure. You gotta get out there. You gotta see what's happening. So that was that was an underlying part of it. Is um, I found especially in Toronto. It's a great city to be in when you're an established act, but it's not a very easy city to differentiate yourself in. I say this a lot because the scene is so massive. It's um, it's like it's amorphous. It's hard to identify and nail down in a way that we don't really have over here. Like there's just so much happening there that like, oh, we're going to go to Toronto and we're going to be a touring act, so we know it'll it'll you know sell out well. It's like, well, guess what? There's actually like seven other touring acts coming through in various parts in that city that um, marketed efficiently and did all the right things, right? So it's I don't know. It's um it's really hard to have hard hitting shows there. There's certainly a scene you can certainly get to a certain level, but to really develop into a professional level act uh, or or industry professional or artist. I certainly found myself kind of grabbing at straws and unsure of how to how to proceed. So I found um, I spent uh, more than a decade just studying music privately. Uh, about two or three years of that, specifically prepping for Humber's jazz guitar department, because I was certain that I wanted to study uh, jazz guitar as a you know post secondary. Uh, and I didn't end up uh, having that happen for a couple of reasons. But it didn't happen, and as a result, my work started being less and less dependent on music. I taught for a little while, but I found because of how expensive in that city it was to have your own space and own a car, uh, that I, I I basically had to bike to my students' classes and stuff like that. It was it was hilarious, wow. and it was teaching, so it's always in the middle of winter. So I would yeah. literally hop on my bike with my guitar on my back. And bike over through snow that was oh, like sometimes Jesus. feet high. My students' houses, my phone would freeze on my my travel over there, and I'd go, "Oh shit!" So I would I did that for a while, um, and I supplemented it with working in hospitality. And um, I just saw that I kept on my time and energy kept on moving further away from spending it all on music. And I started going, "Is that what I want? Like I can get by doing this." but is that what I want to do? And I said, no, I'd rather take a risk, potentially, you know, throw it all out the window uh, and really take a shot at doing the music thing. Like really, how would I turn this into a career kind of a thing? And how would I actually make money and, and spend my life and time doing this? And um, I left Toronto. Uh, my mom had moved to Nova Scotia briefly, so I went over there for a couple of months. And I, um, I did a ton of of journaling and taking notes, and I had identified a number of different sub-areas in the music industry that I might be interested in, and things that I was skilled for, and rate of pay, and available job, and all this kind of research. And I decided on a couple of different options, and the main one was uh, sound recording and production. And um, 
And sound design specifically, I still have a dream of working in uh, film and uh, any kind of audio for visual media, but film and TV for sure, because and video games, because that's all growing in the industry. Awesome. And um, so I, yeah, I realized, yeah, sound recording and production, that's probably going to be the thing that's going... I mean, I can already teach, you know what I mean? I've already got a, a good head on my shoulders in terms of, like, uh, understanding what to do as a performer. I mean, I've worked in so many different capacities that I, I, I have a pretty good sense of, you know, what's happening in a show from almost everybody's perspective uh, in terms of promoter, you know, venue owner band, etc. Uh, and the one thing that seemed to me to be the biggest benefit, for sure, was learning how to create recordings and stuff like that. So I looked at um, a bunch of options across Canada. I was I was this close to going to McGill for jazz guitar again, ah. and I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this place up in St. John's, because um, it was A, uh, C, so I ended up going to CNA, uh, which was quite reasonable in terms of price. Uh, St. John's always did strike me as, actually, I worked at a brewery briefly while I was in Nova Scotia, and I was working with uh, a buddy of mine named Elliot, uh, who was from St. John's, and he just talked, and like, it was his favorite place. He would just endlessly go on and on and on about how it's the best place to be. So that certainly factored into it, and I went, okay, well, listen, this is, uh, it's a two-year program to learn how to do sound recording and production. It's kind of known around Canada as, you know, a, a certainly a musical center of Canada. I wouldn't say it's the only export of music by any means, but it's certainly, you know, we all know um, Eyes the Bye. Everybody hears that in elementary school and we go, oh, that's Canadian. Yep. So that's from St. John's. It's from Newfoundland. Oh, let's check it out. Anyway, um, and, and that's what brought me down here is that program. And it was a great program, and I'm very happy with how everything's turned out as a result. It, it hasn't always been easy, uh, but it was undoubtedly the right decision, and um, it's been a great experience. Listen, man, life is never easy. Once, once you take that risk, there's no looking back. It's just, you know, getting to do what you are setting out to do, and then the rest you do yeah. after that is gravy. So um, we're very happy to have you here, Ben, and um, – You've really, again, become a face of the heavy scene here in Newfoundland and Labrador. You've played in the uh, award-winning band Slowpoke, and you've also played in the most yeah. recent band that I've got to uh, know you about with Paul Brake, Cameron Leg, and uh, a couple of other people that are that, which names are striking me right here now. Keith and Adam Hearn, shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to you Boys. guys. And the band name is one of my favorite names right now, The Order of the Precious Blood. We'll, we'll get to Precious Blood in a moment, but um, I just want you to talk about a bit more about... Um, the heavy metal scene and the heavy scene here in Newfoundland and Labrador, because when it comes to talking about um, the music scene, we always think about traditional folk music, but mm -hmm. rock and pop music and country music has really exploded here, but no one really talks about the heavy metal scene that much. So um, for people who are mm -hmm. not familiar with the heavy metal scene here in Newfoundland and Labrador, what would you say um, about it and why? It's not as small as any of you think. This is the first and most important thing I want to get into people's heads. There is a constant expectation from people that perceive themselves as the more professional side of the industry that really just have a, a preference in genre. Do you remember that um, video of, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Frank Zappa talking about how um, there's, uh, he's talking about the recording industry and about how there were people that had no idea 
uh, about music that were running the recording industry, and they would take a chance on anything. And as a result, you got a variety of really creative different artists that wouldn't necessarily uh, follow the same kind of avenue musically or creatively, which is what I would argue is a, a major purpose of art. And I think that there is an expectation, and I don't think that I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to put this on any individual person, but I think across Canada, there's an expectation that if you're playing punk rock or metal or any of these things, that it's almost a lesser art form. And I think a lot of the time people think or come to that conclusion because they perceive there's a more limited market. And while it's certainly not the same mass appeal level of something like pop country or something like that, which is you know, great, and does all its things. Um, but there is a significant demand for this kind of stuff. And again, it's not necessarily that it's heavy metal or punk, but just high-energy stuff, stuff that's not your traditional, that's not the, you know, the stuff that mom and pops would go see. Um, stuff for the kids, right? And, uh, yeah, I, I'd say it's it's there. It's almost everywhere we look. We keep on saying, oh, there's probably nothing over there. Even Cornerbrook, you know, things are starting to pop off over there, which is fantastic. There's a, there's a band called Paranoia who have been coming up, a young group of lads that are, that are doing some great work, uh, and October Wasp. And I think I've, I've heard some rumblings about even more projects coming out there. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just it's great to see. It's great to see here and in Atlantic Canada as a whole. I'm very excited for, you know, potential connections to be made across province and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, yeah, it, it's a great scene of great enthusiastic people, and um, you should check it out because it seems a little bit scary from the outside, but it's yeah. a really awesome space from the inside. As soon as you get in there, you realize how welcoming, and you know, don't let the dance moves fool you. They're all a bunch of teddy bears, and I mean, um, it is. you're the biggest one of them all. I mean, you're the biggest teddy bear out there. I can just give you a squeeze right now. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you, Zach Snail. <laughs> uh, again, for the record, I have not watched Game of Thrones in my life. That's that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> as long as you understand the reference I am making. Listen, for any fans who are um, Game of Thrones fans, give it to me. I'll take it. I'll take it. But um, <laughs> I got to experience uh, Order of the Precious Blood at the Music Celebration Week 2023. And what an experience that was. Paul Brake is an absolute maniac. And I'll probably take that in the nicest way possible. But um, oh, no, he is. <laughs> Order of the Precious <laughs> Blood is uh, a group that you guys formed uh, this past year. What an absolute uh, adventure it is to see you guys live and Paul Brake just going absolutely crazy. But you're no slouch either on the backup backup mm-hmm. vocals as well because you were in the award-winning band Slowpoke before that. But um, I want to talk about how this whole group came together in the first place. So how did you uh, come up with Order of the Precious Blood and what was the meaning behind the name? Okay. This is going to be a long one again. But so, so the very first thing I got to say about that is back to the scene, actually. Uh, I will quickly say a couple other quick points. Uh, the connecting idea is there's a fantastic outlet called Heavy Newfoundland run by a guy named Greg Sweetapple who's living in Montreal, of all places, uh, originally from Glovertown. Uh, uh, and um, uh, the entire crux of, of uh, Precious Blood kind of establishing itself kind of circles around that. Um, but I also quickly wanted to say about the scene, quick shout out to Kyle Crotty, who's been organizing a bunch of shows, uh, Younger Gent, that's just 
making things happen, creating opportunities for people. Uh, he's playing in Choke Slam and Caspam, Colton, Kyle, and the Ass Kickers. And I think there may even be more than that, but there's there's so many awesome bands in that scene. And uh, shout out to yeah anybody that's kind of just doing what they can in that scene to help create more opportunities for bands. There's there's honestly a lot of them, and it's great to see. Um, but back to your question. So, yes, uh, Heavy Newfoundland. When I first came into the province, I was teaching at Music Collection for a while. And I was only working there part-time, really. Um, hours fluctuated, but... Yeah. So, with my free time, uh, I was also in CNA at the time, so I, I had a little, little bit of free time. Um, and I started doing some writing for uh, Heavy Newfoundland. I, I always... When I did that big bit of research, one of the side hustles I'd identified that might be fun, that I might be half-decent at, was doing some music journalism, uh, which primarily was like album reviews, and, and I enjoyed it, uh, um, and it served its purpose. And what happened was I gave uh, one of Paul's previous projects a review, and that's kind of how I found out about him. And I was like, okay, this guy can play and record and, you know, write songs, like, write songs. He's a really strong songwriter. Um, and I was like, okay, this guy's super talented. Uh, but at the time, Slowpoke, uh, we had another drummer named Adam. So Slowpoke was myself, Cameron, and originally Adam Young. Uh, and, you know, pretty much consistently Adam Young. Uh, and Adam ended up having a couple of times where he had to leave the province. He had to go traveling, or I think there was a job at one point. And so that left Slowpoke kind of drummerless. So we ended up searching around for, for some drummers. And when Adam left the second time uh, was after I'd done that review of the album that Paul had played on, the, that Paul's album, um, that Waste Case album. And uh, he was such a wicked drummer on it. I was like, hey, man, like, do you think you would want to play in, in Slowpoke? So we did a couple of jams to give it a shot. And, um, I mean, it was good. It, it wasn't quite as intense as I think what Paul was, I mean, ultimately aiming for, which is kind of what Precious Blood came out to be. Um, but it was fun, and we all vibed well as musicians. And, uh, yeah, so what ended up happening is um, that didn't work out. Adam, our original drummer, came back, and then we were playing our album release show, which was with Chevy and, um, oh, my God, who else was on that? Uh I'm pretty sure the Birchmen were on that, and that's it. Us, Chevy, and the Birchmen. Uh, <laughs> so right before that, like a day before that, we had, or, or actually a few weeks before that, we'd gone to Cornerbrook and the band Ultimata, uh, which was this fantastic metalcore project in um, out of Cornerbrook, uh, they wanted to come to town, and they were hoping to jump on our release show. Of course, we'd just done all the advertising, we'd planned all the, the time slots and everything, so it just didn't seem like an option. So what we ended up doing is Slowpoke, myself, Cameron, and a different Adam, not Adam Hearn, but Adam Young, uh, got Paul to front us, uh, and we did a bunch of hardcore punk covers so that we could facilitate these guys coming down from Cornerbrook to play a show here and not, you know, not lose their night so that we could try to support them in some way. Oh, yeah. And, and it didn't also use the Slowpoke name, so we were still able to play our show without hurting any kind of draw. And uh, so we needed a name for the project, and we called it Hot Dog. 
And that was the first iteration. Yes. Uh, I bought a hot dog costume. We dressed Paul Breakup in said hot dog costume. Oh my God. And we played punk rock. Oh, uh, we played punk rock for about 40 minutes. That's an, and that's I incredible. encouraged everybody in the audience to show their appreciation by screaming, hot dog. Hot dog. Or however else they feel like expressing their, their enjoyment. Uh, and it was a it was a blast. It was a great time. And so we were like, okay, we got to do something again. And time went by, and Mr. Adam Young, not Adam Hearn, uh, had to leave again. And I was talking to Cameron, and I was like, I mean, for Slowpoke, I was always kind of, I mean, I, I want to play guitar. That's always what I want to do. Um, I like doing backup vocals. I like do. I like singing. I like playing bass. But I, I always like the idea of having a dedicated frontman. And even when we were playing in Slowpoke, I was always kind of keeping my eyes out in the peripheries for somebody that could be a dedicated frontman. Because, I mean, if you're trying to rock out and you're trying to play stuff that pushes your technical abilities on your instrument and you're trying to sing stuff that's going to be... No, there's only so many things you can do. Um, and I didn't want, especially with the kind of music and, and the people we're playing to and the scene and market we're a part of, I didn't want to lose the energy of kind of like going crazy on stage or, or, or trying to move around a bit. So Paul Brake seemed like the strongest option to me. And um, after Adam left, there was a bit of a bit of downtime. And I, I don't remember exactly how it started, but I reached out to Paul and was kind of like, hey, do you want to jam? And um, I reached out to Cameron, too, just to kind of be like, hey, buddy, I'm, you know, we don't have anything going because Adam's not around, but do you want to try jamming with, with Buddy over here? So we did, uh, I think it was like one rehearsal, and we were like, yeah, yeah, let's do some shit. Like, let's let's just see what happens. So we actually spent um, most of 20... That's not true. The end of 2021... Let me get my year straight. Yeah, the end of 21 uh, and all of 2020... Almost all of 2022, uh, songwriting. And what we would do is, like, every week we would just meet up and demo a tune pretty much every week. And we would talk about branding and we would do all of our, our game plan stuff. And... Um, in, in that leads to one of your other questions is you asked how did the name Precious Blood came come about? And we, we literally spent, you know, a good two months just coming up with every band name we could, writing it on a list. And um, when we, we set a deadline and then we're like, okay, we're going to start crossing these names off the list, find the ones that we know are not going to be it. We have our yeses, our maybes, our noes. And uh, we had a list of yeses, but none of them really seemed like the one. And Paul goes, yeah, I had this other idea. I passed this uh, I passed this building, this church that said, you know, Precious Blood or something like that. That sounded cool. And we were like, yeah, that is really cool. And it was better than pretty much all the other names we had. And I think it was also the mind of Paul Brake that added the order of. I know it, I know it didn't come from me. Um and that is how the name was decided upon. And that was the early stages of what we did. So we, we demoed out more than a dozen songs, at least. Um, and, uh, you know, did some, some planning about branding and how we want to... A big thing with that project, right, is we think about... I think a lot of musicians think about being artists as just what, you know, the only way that they relate to their audience is their music. And, and that's true, but, like, the delivery mechanisms can be a lot more interesting than we make them out to be. 
uh, especially when it's about advertising and making people aware of your stuff and like the cool games you can play with people to make things actually engaging and actually fun and not like a chore and not like I, I love that thing where it's like you should support our band because we're like starving independent artists and it's like I, I totally respect that and I and I think I strongly urge people to look local for their musical interests but I also think it's the band's responsibility to to attract. Like, if you're not coming up with interesting ways to make people invest in you, it should never be a request. It should never be, please listen to my band. It should always be, we exist, by the way. Check it out. Right? And then people do, and they go, oh, shit. Like, I should have been. Like, you actually care about what you're doing. You're actually thinking about this on many levels. So we, we spent some time thinking about those levels um, and doing a lot of prep for our November uh, kickoff show was this big thing. We did a, a bunch of, uh, you know, multiple layers of postering and kind of cool world-building stuff uh, and kind of a, a bit of a wild goose chase that brought people to the venue while also doing some traditional advertising for it. And, um, yeah, we, we, sold, we sold that out. I think we were probably over capacity at that show. In fact, I know for. Um, yeah. And that was that was the birth of, of, of Precious Blood. Oh, and of course, sorry, uh, Barry and Adam coming in. That was uh, Paul. Uh, as soon as we'd kind of gotten a good uh, number of songs, we started talking about who else we could get in. Again, for a while, I, I, I want to play guitar. I'm like, I'm going to play the guitar player. And we kind of realized, you know, there's not... It was kind of... They kind of left it up to me, and I was like, well, I know there's not a ton of bass players that specifically jump out at me for that would be the ideal one for this project. Um, but there are guitar players. So, uh, Paul knew, uh, Barry O'Keefe and Adam, and they both played together in, um, release the hounds. So we tried them out and it was, uh, yeah, it was a great fit. And boom, the order of the precious blood is born and boom, First show, and then after that, it was just a matter of spending. Well, and, and because we'd spent all that time preparing, we could then spend the rest of the time planning what our next steps were, which is why we had such a productive year. If you're trying to figure out what you're doing for branding, you're not going to have time to think about booking a tour, which, you know, success favors speed. And if you're going to release a project and you're going to release music, it's better to have it built up so that you can continue to, to establish engagement and continue to build and again it's not even established like these words almost sound like they're bad words but like to keep on interacting with people and to keep on having something to say and to dish out right yeah yeah and uh it's all about that idea of like a philosophy of like you know working smarter versus working harder because a lot of people like they really work their asses off but like if you don't really like have like a, a game plan set in stone when you go out to execute that plan um, you're pretty much just running around yeah. like a chicken with your head cut off. But um, all due respect yeah. to all the uh, musicians here, they all work their asses off. But um, just having the plan is really a really smart thing to do. That's the most inf infuriating part of it is it's never about how hard you work. There are some people that work so incredibly hard, but what they're trying to do is climb up uh, like a 90-degree angle. It's like you, you keep on going up a little bit and falling down, and you're spending so much work doing that. It's like, buddy. Step back, look around, you can walk around that obstacle. You know what I mean? Like, there, it's, it, 
exactly as you say. It's not a matter of hard work. It really is a matter of thinking about what you're doing. You know, I, I, I've seen so many musicians just burn them out taking every single gig that comes to them. And depending on the scene and the circuit and what the function of your band is, that's actually completely acceptable. If you're playing in the cover circuit, of course, take every... Yes, if you're playing as a solo performer to try to make, you know, make some extra cash, of course, yes, play every single one. If you're trying to develop your your band into a touring act or into a studio project, no, do not take every one. Like, think think about what you're doing a little bit. Yes. Um, and think 100%. about what you want to do because when you think about where you want to be, you could actually get there. And if you and there's nothing wrong with that either, by the way. Like, depending on where you are oh, no. in your scene, in, sorry, um, where you are in your stage of development as a musician, like if, if you're new to the scene in any respect in terms of maybe you haven't played any shows before um maybe you've played shows but not in this area like getting your bearings and understanding what's happening like there, there's always a benefit if you're playing music there's something you know that you're going to get it for your career out of it for your, your yourself you're your playing and all that stuff um but planning ahead work for us <laughs> has been good Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, shout out to it's Fox only, Town. It's yeah. only a year. It's only a year. So so far, we we had a good year. I'll say that for sure. But you had like other Thank stuff to prepare you for this uh, this moment with uh, or the Precious Blood, and you guys had a really successful year. And 2024, I feel is going to mm-hmm. be even bigger than that. But um, in 2023 as well, you took on Music Celebration Week coordinator for the past Music Celebration Week in St. John's. Of course, your boy took home Media Person of the Year. That was a great moment for me. But um, also we had uh. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but um, I feel like it was also a really strong week when it comes to the music that came out this year because I felt that 2023 has been the most consistent year that Music and L has ever put out just due to the fact that, like I even said in my uh, speech where I took home that award, where someone like Greg Wells, who is a multi-time Grammy award-winning producer, taking the time out of his schedule to come down here and actually cultivate the Newfoundland and Labrador music scene and help it grow. That says a lot about how far it has come over the past mm-hmm. couple of years. But I'm um, back to the celebration we coordinator for a second. Does it make you excited? Oh, 100%. Um, so how did this gig uh, for music celebration we coordinator come up for you? So um, I got that through a lovely thing called the JCP. It's called the Job Creation Partnership Program. Um I had just left my position at a music director at School of Rock, and um, I was on employment insurance, and I happened to see this posting, uh, and I snagged it. And it just so happened that, to your point, in the same way that I'd done all these previous projects and that had gotten my name out a little, or or, or given me a skill set for Order of the Precious Blood, had prepared me in some way. So, too, the fact that I've been playing around a bit, you know, I did a, a solo tour previously um, as my solo acoustic act, which was still branded as Benedict Drinks. Be- I, I, be- I attributed to that, but it seemed that my name was a little bit more out there. So I, I found out that when they were looking at candidates, um, in addition to the fact that my resume looked good and appropriate, uh, there were a couple of people that um, recognized my name and knew that I would be someone that had the background and skill set and demeanor to to be able to do this kind of a thing. And I've been made aware that that was kind of a, a major uh, deciding factor in how I got the position. So it, honestly, I would say it's luck. I would say it's luck and wicked good timing. And um, 
And you know what? I'm also going to throw it to the fact that I believe that annually Music NL hires for that position in, in a, a similar kind of way. And I think that that's just great because they're the function of that program is to give people training opportunities to enter into the side of the industry or, or really any kind of training opportunities for any industry. Uh, but specifically this connection ended up being um, a fantastic, it's fundamentally a referral training program. And um, it's, it was absolutely great. I'm, I'm just finishing it up now. We've got a couple weeks left and, and um, yeah, that's how it came across and very, very grateful for it. Absolutely. Now, um, you got some big plans for 2024, I would imagine. So uh, without going really too deep and not revealing too much, knowing, you know, when we're recording this and when this is going to come out, um, what are your plans for 2024? What are the plans for uh, Ben Chapman Smith? There's a lot, as you say. Um, there is some fun stuff coming in from Precious Blood. We're not slowing down. Um, we've got some more recording projects coming through. You can expect some more performances, of course. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if I can say it, but I'm going to say it anyway, because probably by February this will be out anyway. We are going to be performing at the ECMAs, the 2024 ECMAs in PEI, uh, at, at part of a general showcase. I can't remember if I've mentioned that yet. Uh, but that's going to be a big and exciting thing, and we are considering some more stuff that's outside of the province, which would awesome. be sweet. And maybe, uh, a big, uh, something that I'd really like to do is try to create more opportunities uh, to link St. John's and Cornerbrook, and especially for the heavy scene, um, try to just get some more original bands going in there. I think uh, outside of the heavy scene, there's a fairly limited music scene, <laughs> from what I've heard, um, in terms of bands, I should say. Yeah. So that would be great. Um, for myself, I've, I've got a bunch of stuff, man. Um, I'm trying to get some more... Uh, Recording under my belt, not necessarily just as a performer, but as a tech. I again, I graduated sound recording and production, so I'm going to continue doing freelance live gigs. So if you are looking for somebody, give me a shout. Uh, if you're looking for somebody for any kind of um, audio for film or TV work, give me a shout twice, please. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, that's certainly something I'd be very interested in, but don't have any immediate plans for. <laughs> um, I'm going to have my, my, my position uh, with Music and L is being extended uh, a little bit with a group called Youth Ventures, um, and that's going to involve some interesting mentorship opportunities for uh, people under 29, um, and I have to get a little bit more information on exactly how this is going to function. Uh, but I, it's going to involve some kind of presentations geared towards younger people that are trying to develop and establish careers for themselves within the music industry. Um, I can't say too much if that's going to be specifically focused on artists or if there will be avenues for industry professionals. But what I am hoping to do is to, to uh, have both. Um, but that's not totally you know, all set yet, so that's, that's hopeful. 2024, yeah, um, I'm working with a, uh, a couple of younger groups to help kind of establish themselves within the scene, um, and that's one of them, I think two of those are going to be doing more of the kind of uh, metal and rock scene, and one of them is going to be proper into the cover scene, cover circuit. And I don't know, man, like I have a tendency to plan ahead for a lot of things, but life has a funny way of showing up and going like, 
you can keep this, but you can't have that. But here's this. Yeah, Things absolutely. you never expect. You know, you think you have everything figured out, and then a week later, it's like, oh, guess what? So I'd say beyond beyond those couple of things, beyond uh, continuing music and all, at least early on into the year, um, and uh, Precious Blood recording and stuff like that, my own, you know, teaching and recording and production and live sound stuff, that's, that's most of it. Um, I'd be hopeful for more. It would be awesome if I can find a way to participate in this year's Music Celebration Week because I feel um, I learned a lot from the first one and I think that I could contribute a lot more to, to a subsequent one. But that's, uh, you know, we'll leave that to the cards. We'll see what happens. And for people who want to keep track of what you're going to be up to next with Precious Blood, yourself, and anything else, Ben Chapman-Smith, yeah. uh, where can they go? Great question. Um, I mean, you can certainly follow Precious Blood um, on, you know, almost any social media. It's Precious Blood 709 uh, on Facebook and Instagram. I, be, I believe TikTok is the same. We have a YouTube. We don't use those other ones quite as much, primarily Instagram. Uh, and then for myself, you can follow me at Ben Chapman Smith Music. I've got uh, Facebook and Instagram set up. Most of the time right now, it's kind of, uh, it, it's a funny combination of like, you know, family-friendly content from, you know, my teaching stuff and then pictures of hardcore punk shows and then the odd reel of traditional Newfoundland music. So it's a really funny amalgamation of where I just kind of show you what I was doing that day kind of a thing. It's not it's not the best planned account, I'll tell you. But if you are <laughs> curious at what I'm up to, uh, you can certainly uh, keep track of it there and you can reach out to me there too. So again, if anyone's interested in doing um, some recording or needs a live audio tech for anything, you give me a shout. Man, Ben, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you on this podcast, um, getting to know a lot more about you and uh, what a blast this has been. This is not your last time on the podcast. We've only just scratched the surface on on everything Ben Chapman Smith. Like so, Ben, thanks so much for joining me on Next to Connect. You have a wonderful day, and um, hopefully uh, we have a big 2024 from Ben Chapman Smith. Thank you so much for your time, Zach Snow. Happy 2024, everybody. That was Benedict, or excuse me, Ben Chapman Smith here on Next to Connect. Head over to benchapmansmith.com to find out more about the guy, as well as following Order of the Precious Blood and Ben Chapman Smith Music on various social media platforms. On the note of Precious Blood, here they are now with XU Out on the Musical Connections podcast.
that puts a bow on episode 62 of Musical Connections. Big thank you to Ben Chapman Smith for being my guest on Next to Connect this week, and to all the musicians who have contributed their songs for newfound releases. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the Musical Connections podcast, whether through newfound releases or Next to Connect, email musicalconnectionsnl at gmail.com or DM me on my social media, Facebook, Instagram, or X. Next week, we'll be having the final interview of our series of interviews that we did at the Amera Innovation Exchange in St. John's as part of Music Celebration Week 2023. We will introduce you to a multi-talented guitarist who is originally from France, but is called St. John's his home for a couple of years now. We're going to introduce you to Benjamin James, or as he goes by his stage name, Ben's Ekman Spiral. We're going to talk to him about how he got here to Newfoundland and Labrador, his musical journey, some of his influences that make up his sound, and some of the music that he's released over the past few years, which includes his most recent effort, Tender Days. If you want to keep up to date with Musical Connections and uh, stay up to date with brand new episodes, new episodes drop every Tuesday at 12 noon, Newfoundland Standard Time, on RSS, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to my link tree to get all the links that you need to stay connected with Musical Connections. Make sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the podcast, and leave a comment while you're there as well. It helps out the show a lot, so make sure you search Musical Connections through any streaming platform that you listen to your podcast to. That's going to do it for Musical Connections for another week. Thank you so much for connecting, and I have been your host, Zach Snow. Stay safe and please be kind to one another, and until next time, safe home.